Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, and verse 3, the Lord Jesus Christ says this, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Does this sound like a very strange statement to you? What did the Lord Jesus mean? Well, it is certainly very important for us to know what it means because he's presenting us with an imperative that will decide whether or not we can go to heaven. He gives a very specific qualification. We need to become like little children in order to enter heaven. But how can this be? Well, in today's broadcast, evangelist Mr. Dan Schutt takes apart this important statement for us so that we can get a better understanding of what Christ is trying to tell us. You will find that though it is a very simple truth, it is also a very vital truth if we're going to know anything about sins forgiven. Now I'll ask you to turn in your Bible to the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18. And I just want to preach from a single text here tonight, and I hope God will use it in blessing to you. Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 3. The Lord Jesus is the speaker here, and he says this, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted, and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Let me just read that again, and I'm going to explain this very carefully, so I don't want anybody to be turned off by words that you don't understand. And so we'll read this little text again in Matthew chapter 18 and 3. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted, and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. I have to tell you a story tonight about my first car. Everybody remember their first car? Most of the women here probably don't care, but all the guys do. Everybody remembers their first car. I learned to drive. I grew up on a farm. I learned to drive when I was about 12, but I had some problem with my legs being long enough to reach the pedals, and so I had to wait a little while till I got a first car. But it became very clear that there was a strong difference of opinion. That's a really polite way to say that I had a big argument with my dad. Because I had a picture in my mind of what I wanted, and for some silly reason that to this day I can scarcely comprehend, it didn't agree with what he wanted. He, um, he had a, the old guys here will get this. The rest of you just take this on faith. He had a 1963 Falcon station wagon with, I think, two squirrels under the hood. And to really top it off, somebody had bished in one of the front fenders. So instead of being blue like the rest of the car, it was purple. And my father, in his magnificent generosity, wanted to bequeath a 1963 Falcon station wagon on me. And I could just see the potential. There would be girls flocking. <laughs> it, it, just, it just wasn't going to work. 
What did I have in my mind? Well, I, I, I thought that something red would be nice. And I thought something with more than about 30 horsepower would be extra nice. But here's what I wanted. I wanted a convertible. You know what a convertible is? See, you're on a pathway to learning something about the Bible and you don't even know it right now while you're smiling. What's a convertible? Well, a convertible is a car that in the wintertime you put the top up. You got that? It's a sedan. It's nice. It's old man stuff. It's, uh, you know, everything is all buttoned down. <sighs> but in the summertime, man, that's when everything comes to life. And the top comes off and the wind blows through the hair you used to have when you're a teenager. You know? See, what's a convertible? A convertible is a car that is capable of being changed. That's the nature of convertible. On one occasion, it's a sedan. The next moment, it's a sports car tearing up the highways, you know? So we call that a convertible car. It can be changed. You all get that. Well, what you know about convertible cars is the explanation, actually, to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 3. Did you know that? Because I'm going to read this little verse again, and I'm going to simplify it right down to the bare essentials. This is what Jesus is saying. If there is no change, there is no heaven. Anybody got that? That's really simple. If there is no change in me, then at the end of life, there is no heaven for me either. I remember when this little text became very real to me. We're having some gospel meetings, and um, there was a lady who came out to those meetings, a very nice lady. She said, I would like to be saved. Then the dreadful word, but. I would like to be saved, but. I have friends who claim to be Christians, and their life is no different than mine. And if salvation doesn't make any difference, then I guess I really don't want to be saved. You know, I don't know what to tell people sometimes. Some pretty challenging things people say to us. So I'm going to tell you what I said to her. And I hope you won't think I'm cruel. I hope you won't think that I was being judgmental. I think I was actually quoting from the Scriptures, and God gave me this little text right at the moment that I needed it. And I said to her, ma'am, I don't know what your friends call themselves. And I don't know what they claim to be. I don't know anything about them, but I know this. Jesus said, if there's no change, there's no heaven. I want to challenge all of my friends who are here tonight with this. Has there ever been a point in your life when Jesus Christ has changed your life? You know, for me, I was quite a young boy when that event happened, when that marvelous change took place. And we're not here to argue that this is something that men need or women need or old folks need or young folks need or religious or spirit. We just want to just proclaim what Christ said. You need a change if you're going to be in heaven. And I'll tell you what I'm thinking tonight. I think there's people here tonight and life is not turning out the way you thought it was going to. And maybe you're thinking, man, I, I thought life was all just going to be fun and games. 
And now there are things that are seriously weighing on me. I want to change. Friend, it isn't just that you want to change. Friend, you need a change. A change is required if you're going to be in heaven. I, I want to tell you four or five things tonight. I'm going to do this in short order. The first one is just this, that this change is absolutely necessary for heaven. Jesus said, unless you are converted, ye shall not. You know, there's one of the things I love about the Bible. I'm just going to tell you right up front. The Bible is not shoveling fog like many of the false religions that fill our world. Because the Bible makes the clearest, simplest, most direct statements. I, I work hard to preach the gospel simply, but I find again and again, I can never improve just on the simple words of Scripture. If you want to be in heaven, there is a change that is going to have to take place in your heart. There's something else I, I want to tell you, and this is really important. I want everybody to get this point. In fact, this might be almost the most important point I'm going to make. You say to me, okay, you, you've burned almost 10 minutes now talking about change. What is it that you want me to change? Do you, do you want me to comb my hair differently? Do you want me to, uh, you know, carry a bigger Bible? Do you, do you want me to take on some sort of spiritual language? It, it, what, what is this change that you're looking for? Let me help you with this, with my second point, which is very simple. The change that God requires... The change that God requires is a change from the inside out. The problem of our sinful, fallen nature that has placed us at a guilty distance from God, changing my suit, changing my outfit, changing my hairstyle, does absolutely nothing. We need a change on the inside. Anybody here would like to have that change? Anybody? I want to just tell you, the gospel message is not a mystery, so I like to jump right ahead to the end, even though I'm not at the end yet. I want to tell you, God can change you tonight. I'm looking around at a whole bunch of my friends, a few of their stories I'm learning. And if you'd have seen them 25 or 30 or 40 years ago, I want to tell you something. You wouldn't imagine that they'd be here tonight. And the Lord Jesus Christ, in His amazing power and grace, has changed them. And tonight, they're saved and forgiven. They're on their way to heaven. There's peace in their heart, and there is joy. It doesn't mean that they don't have migraine headaches, and it doesn't mean they don't wake up with a toothache, and it doesn't mean that they don't have to pay the tax commissioner. I mean, we're real people here. We're, we're not angels or supermen. But I'll tell you this, we're changed. And God has made that change. He's made it on the inside. I, I hope tonight that God will just help you to get down on your knees. And say, Lord, I'm not happy with my life the way it is. And I don't want to live in my sin. And I don't want to live at a distance from you. I want to tell you something. God's in the business of changing sinners tonight. Let me tell you about the third thing very quickly. Conversion is required for heaven. You must be changed. And conversion is a work from the inside out. God wants to change your soul. He wants to give you a new nature. Wonderful thing to be changed by God. That brings me to my third point, and that is this. That this change that is required is a work that only God can do. Let me disabuse you of a few false ideas that I hear with some regularity. Number one, you cannot change yourself. Some of you here, if I really thought 
And if you really thought that you needed to be changed, I think there are some of you here that are good people. And I think you say, you know, I, this is a good idea. This business of having my sins forgiven, that's right. I, I, I don't want to be at a distance from God. I, I want God in my life. I want to have the, I want to have the assurance and the certainty that you men seem to have. I want to tell you something. You cannot affect that change yourself. I tell you, there's people in this room. I could bring some men up here. I won't ask the ladies. There's some men I could bring right up here. You know what they would tell you? That before God saved them, this was my experience. There was a period of time in which they did their level best. To affect this change to be accepted with God. And I'm going to tell you how every one of them ended in absolute failure. I'll tell you something else. There's no church or religion that can make this change. I'm glad we meet here with believers in the Gospel Hall. I love the fellowship of the Christians here. I'm very comfortable here because it's a place that I believe tries to our, the best of our ability to follow the Bible. But I'm just going to tell you something. Attending this church does not secure the change that you need. Let me cut right to the chase because time is short. The change you need is a change that only God can do. I want to show you something in the text. I read over this for many years and I puzzled over it for many years. Just look at Matthew 18 and 3 for a second because there's a piece in here that I never hear anybody preach about. But I think it's really important. And it just says this, Except ye be converted and become as little children. What does that mean? Does that mean I'm going to pull on diapers or sit on the floor and, and toddle around and speak incoherently? What does that mean, become as little children? Let me tell you what I think it means. What is the one characteristic of a little child? I'm, I'm just going to say this. Little children are willing to let other people do things for them. Now, I was over at house for dinner tonight, had a terrific meal. But, you know, I would have been a little offended if uh, Brother Steve had uh, reached over onto my plate with his fork and his knife and started cutting up my chicken. I'd have been offended by that. I know I'm at your house and everything, but uh, I, can, I can handle this. You see, when we're adults, we, we like to feel that we're, we're in control. We're able to do it. But, you know, I've got three little grandchildren. And, and you know, it's, something, it's just so neat. You know, they just, they just let me do things for them. I can cut up their chicken, and I can tie up their tennis shoes, and I can put barrettes in my little granddaughter's hair. You know what? Just in their simplicity and in their helplessness, they let me do for them what they cannot do for themselves. To me, it's just so simple. I'm not able to save myself. The Bible says that it is not by works of righteousness it is not by good deeds that I have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Amazing. I was saved through the words of Ephesians chapter 2. I think these are wonderful words. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works. I want to tell you, that was like cold water to a thirsty soul. I had tried everything I knew, and I didn't know much, but I tried everything I knew. And I discovered that it was not of works. It was a gift. God wanted to make the change in my heart. God wanted to save me, and that's exactly what he did. You know, God could change you tonight. 
It won't be found in the preachers, and it won't be found in the church, and it won't be found in your own strength. In fact, the Bible says when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Here's the next point. Conversion takes place in a moment. Not wonderful. You know, we're, we're not telling you that you need to embark on some long spiritual journey, and at the end of it, somehow you're going to get this change. In fact, that is absolutely contrary to everything that the Bible says. A person who is saved is changed in a moment. Now, I have a birth certificate. It's old and yellowed. <laughs> that bothers me. But nonetheless, on that birth certificate are two things. There's a time and a date. There was a moment when I came into this world. There was a moment when I passed from darkness into life and into light. There was a moment that I came from one kind of life into another kind of life. See, if I'd have stayed in my mother's womb, ultimately in darkness, I would have perished, ultimately. But God brought me into a new kind of life, a life where, where, where I could flourish and grow. He brought me into the light. I was, I'm just going to use the words of Jesus, I was born again. And that change took place in a moment. You can be saved right where you sit tonight. This doesn't involve a big Broadway production for God to save you. It doesn't require tears and lamentations and breast beating and whatever else you can think of. It's not required. God's salvation takes place in a moment when a person receives Jesus Christ. And that brings me to my last point. This change, hmm, this change is found in trusting Jesus Christ. There's a hymn we sing sometimes, and I love it very much, written by a lady named Ruth McDaniel. This is what she wrote. What a wonderful change. In my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have laid in my soul for which long I had sought since Jesus came into my heart. Isn't that wonderful? And that dear lady, I, I don't know anything about her, but I know this. She's a Christian who discovered in a single moment that Jesus Christ changes everything. Is there an aching heart here tonight? A person unhappy with their sin? Burdened by their circumstance? A person who knows that they are not right with God? Then friend, let me point you faithfully away to the one who can change everything. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He can take away your sin. He can remove your guilt. He can cleanse the dirtiness of your sin. He has paid the debt that your sin has incurred, and He wants to change you right now. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you joy. He wants to give you eternal life. And just now, He's waiting at the end of this meeting. He's waiting for somebody to take it. What will you do with the Lord Jesus tonight? He makes all the difference. Listen to His words. Unless you are changed, you cannot be in heaven. Well, have you never been changed from the inside out? Have you never looked to the Lord Jesus Christ alone to effect this new birth in your life? Have you never become as a little child allowing Christ to save you and to impart to you a nature that you never possessed before? Then sadly, the Word of God says that you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Certainly, this sounds like something you should look into today, don't you think? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, 
Or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken and a very warm welcome awaits you. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.